welcome back to Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Trance here. Trance are live on Vancouver Island for Canucks training camp coverage. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. I am at least. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. And uh, we will get uh, Harmon Dial, also of The Athletic, on here momentarily. Uh, In the meantime, you know, I I mentioned a text about Connor Garland, and this one comes in as well. Why not move Garland higher up to help Miller produce? He might be the five-on-five piece that Miller needs. And... You know, that's one of the really fascinating things about Connor Garland is in his time in Vancouver, he has not found that kind of natural home alongside one of the team's top centers. Even when Bo Horvat was here and there were three high-end center options, there's never been that natural fit. And now he starts with Suter. Maybe that develops into a really good fit on a third line. But for whatever reason, Connor Garland and Patterson or Miller, we've just never seen a click for any reasonable length of time. And I think I'm talking to nobody here as we try to get Drancer uh, reconnected on, on the line here. So I just threw that question to nobody very eloquently. But yeah, I mean, I w- it was a question that I had coming into training camp is, do we see Connor Garland get that look up the lineup at any point? And, you know, it is early. So yeah, okay, Hoaglander and Pod Colson are getting these opportunities uh, today. That doesn't mean they're necessarily going to get them tomorrow or next week as preseason starts to get underway. Uh, so Garland right now looks to be slotting into that familiar third line role, but we will see where it goes. All right, we have Drancer back and also joining us simultaneously uh, on the line. He's covering training camp as well on Vancouver Island. He is Harmon Dial. Harmon, thanks for doing this, man. How are you? I'm doing great. I had my first ever coffee. Thanks, Drancer. Wait, what? <laughs> Excuse yeah, me? Literally. You've never had coffee before until today. Never, not until today. Drance convinced me last night that it's worth uh, the worth the try. So we'll, uh, we'll see how the day goes. So how you doing? Can, how you doing, can, buddy? Can I give Can I give context here? Harmon was like, I sometimes wake up in the morning and I feel a little sluggish, <laughs> and I have to go through my optimal routine to like get really focused in the morning. And I said, you know, I have a solution to that. It's called have a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> so what was like I, I need this is this is going to derail the whole thing this is incredible but what was like what was the order how did you take it D- tell us everything about your first coffee experience harvin i trance took care of it he uh he ordered a small uh double double and i didn't even know what a double double was <laughs> oh like i obviously heard of it but i didn't know like i literally had to ask like oh are the sugar like, are the sugars already in um, <laughs> you have to add him in. <laughs> and it was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. And yeah, he just made the order, and I, you know, had um, had it. And honestly, I've, I, maybe I didn't have enough, but uh, I felt, I felt totally normal, just like any other day. So. Oh my goodness! This is uh, this is fascinating. Trans <laughs> cultural education. Trans pushing product on Harmon Tile. I got just the thing for you, buddy. Let me show you. 
<laughs> I'll even buy you the first one. Uh, all right. Well, that's a delight. I'm glad your first coffee experience is, uh, is going well so far. Um, always exciting to be there day one of training camp and some really interesting things to dig into already. I'll ask you this. Who's more likely to stick in the position they were skating in today? Niels Hoaglander with Pedersen and Kuzmenko or Vasily Podkolzin with Miller and Besser? a really good question i think i lean towards hoaglander right now um for two reasons number one i think stylistically when you look at with i mean all this sort of depends on when mikhaev comes back because he could obviously be a strong candidate there but um until he comes back hoaglander with his speed his disruptiveness on the forecheck uh, how he can win battles and sort of be a miss- missile as the f1 for- first forechecker in you're kind of able to replace a lot of those strengths that Mikheyev brought to the table. Now, obviously, Mikheyev is much significantly better defensively. Um, but, you know, until he's healthy and until he's at 100% and looking like himself again, especially not just back into the lineup, but also, he, like, shaking the rust off the ACL um, injury that that he's uh, recovering from, um like, that's not a bad stylistic fit, especially the other side of the coin is any line with Kuzmenko, you know, on it, I think is less likely to take tufts. And as a result, that means JT Miller's line is more likely to mm. take tough matchups. And if you're in that role, I still wonder about how much trust Rick Tockett would have in Pod Colson. Um, you know, again, if that if that Miller line starts the season, just like last year, going up against the other team's best players, you got Connor McDavid, um, you know, back to back. How much trust does Tockett have in having a young player in Pod Colson on that line? Especially because, like, keep in mind this: like, when Tockett took over Pod Colson's minutes, even though the Canucks were basically already out of a playoff race, um, they weren't very high, and that would have been, you know, a lower stake situation to ramp up his minutes. So. I think that was sort of interesting. And um, obviously, Pod Colson is a more reliable defensive player than Hoaglander. I just think that spot with, with Pedersen and Kuzmenko is, as it stands right now anyway, more likely to get the soft matchups where a younger player who's still learning the ropes is, is you know, more likely to be trusted a little bit. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I know Mikheyev uh, had to leave camp for personal reasons. There's also the injury question, so we're not exactly sure when we're going to see him really get into the mix. But I've always been kind of looking at it as, you know, if you're going to use, if you decide you're going to use one of Pedersen or Miller as the kind of hard matchup center, you almost have to put Ilya Mikheyev next to that player, right? Like if Miller is going to be your guy in those matchups, it's really hard to keep Ilya Mikheyev off his line because Mikheyev is just so far and away their best uh, defensive winger. And I, I do wonder if, you know, if you're going to use Miller in that role and you're going to have Hoaglander playing with Pedersen, do you almost need to get Mikheyev in there when he's healthy to give Miller that extra support defensively? Uh, especially because of the, the, the speed question mark, right? Uh, you, if yeah. you look back at last season and how much that Miller line struggled, struggled uh, playing against top lines, I, I think a big part of it was, you know, it was Pearson, Miller, and Besser. Like, that's a slower line. Um, and obviously it should, it should help that Brock's, you know, definitely looks like he's in fantastic shape, so he should be quicker and, and hopefully better defensively. But um, Miller is not the fastest guy either, so it could 
you know, it could help to have McKay have speed. But obviously, again, like the big X factor here too is how much of that speed are we, you know, typically are, are we going to get? How close to 100% is he going to uh, going to look when McKay does um, return to the lineup? But you know, absolutely, I, I think that Miller line, if it's playing toughs, needs. Um, you know, a smart, speedy, disruptive, two-way checking type of uh, winger on it. And the other thing to sort of keep in mind is, like, Pod Colson as a winger is a lot easier to slide up and down the lineup on mm. many different lines because of his, because of his size um, and the unique sort of physical attributes that he has. Whereas with Hoaglander, if he's not on that top line, it's like, for starters, you're not going to use him on the fourth line um, with Bluger because that line's probably going to take a lot of defensive zone draws and be relied upon defensively. And the third line, when you have Suter and Garland as two sort of undersized guys already, like I would, I'd, I'd be very surprised if the coaching staff felt comfortable throwing a third undersized forward on that line in the Hoaglander, whereas Pod Colson could much more easily sort of slide into that role. So I just think Pod Colson's a more versatile player too, just in being able to slide up and down the lineup. So, um, you know, that's one thing to add more so on the, you know, the first question, but. Harmon, we'll play the audio in the next segment, but you were down there and you were in the Elias Pettersson scrum. This is his first commentary uh, since the European player media tour where he explained that he wanted to focus on the summer and would wait to sign a contract extension. Asked about this status, he said, per Brendan Batchelor. And again, we will play this audio in full for our uh, for our for our audience in the next segment, it's not a distraction. You guys make it a distraction. I've got one more year left. I'm happy now, but I just want to focus on the season, my teammates, and just come out with a good start with the team. What were your takeaways from Pedersen's commentary? Yeah, it was about what I expected, right? I think Pedersen over the last year in general has typically been pretty guarded and very careful and calculated with um, how he speaks and really not wanting to say the wrong thing. So when you um, ask him about the contract situation and like, it's just the sort of thing where he's so careful about not wanting to say anything controversial or, um, you know, create headlines or, Mm. Or, or just really say anything too revealing or, or interesting. So it was a pretty stock question, and, and you can tell that he's not thrilled. I think with the idea of being, you know, asked about you know the contract situation, um, and and the thing is, he's going to have to presumably deal with it. You know, when he goes out on the road, he goes to yeah. you know markets like Toronto, like Toronto in November, yeah, team. and. Yeah. You know, I I don't think that he is going to like it very much. Um, and I don't think we're going to get a whole lot out of him in terms of him actually opening up, opening up and, and giving uh, legitimate in- insight into into how he's thinking. And um, so if you're a Canucks fan, it's, it's just I think the actions are actions in, in the club's direction and, and how they perform this season is going to be a lot more revealing than what Patterson actually says about the contract situation. Yeah, so I wasn't in the scrum. I was up here on the radio. So do I get a free pass to try again, do you think? or <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, I'm going to. Um, regarding what we've seen at camp, we're seeing Baines play with Garland and Puce Suter. We're seeing <laughs> Pod Colson get a look with 
Miller and Besser. We're seeing Hoaglander get a look with Pedersen and Kuzmenko. And even like McWard with Susie and Juleson with Hughes and, and sort of further down the lineup. Um, can we read less into the choices Vancouver's coaching staff has made to open camp this year than in, in previous years? Is there a chance that this is a more overall developmental focus that we're seeing from Talkit? Yeah, that could very well be a possibility, especially when he was asked, um, you know, just the other day about constructing lines and how much we should read, it, read into it. Um, you know, Talkit sort of said that, at least in four lines, that he sort of thinks about um, constructing them in sort of duos, right? Which, and then the third guy is, is maybe, you know, could, could just be a guy that's given an ex- extra look for development reasons or whatnot. So it's like, you know, when you stick somebody like Baines on, you know, alongside Suter and Garland, it's pretty clear that Suter and Garland are the established duo. Now, I, you know, so for that reason, I'm not reading too much into it, but it also does mean something, right? Because Archie Baines, for example, in Penticton, um, was fantastic and with the improved level of quickness that he showed i came away from that tournament thinking like he could play nhl games this year legitimately it's not as if these guys are just being fed um you know or it's not as if this is a charitable act uh, to be putting them in these positions um i mean even you know a guy like Juleson, like he showed well you know down the stretch last season and one of the other things that this management group has spoken a ton about is alignment as an organization between Vancouver and Abbotsford and making sure that when guys are called upon that they're able to integrate seamlessly into the lineup. And, and I, and so I do wonder if if part of that is, is focusing on that sort of continuity. Um, So I think it's a, it's a mix of both. Like you can read, read a little bit into the guys that have been giving given opportunity, but it is still a case of like, no, it would be surprising if Archie Bain starts in the top line NHL role heading into the season. Yeah, and I think especially on the blue line, you know, I look up front and there's a fair number of groups, you know, especially if you plug Mikheyev into the mix that you could see beginning the season together. On the blue line, it feels like there's a lot more in flux, right? Whether it's, you know, Susie and McWard being together, you know, you know, Juleson certainly could play with Quinn Hughes, but it doesn't feel like a lock. But one thing that stuck out to me was Ian Cole uh, skating with Philip Ronick on a potential second pair. What do you think of the potential fit between those two I mean really two new additions you know not counting the four games uh, that Philip Ronick played for the Canucks last year yeah I mean if you're playing Cole with uh, with Horonic then I think it's it's pretty fair to assume despite what we've seen from the D pairs that Susie will play on the offside with, uh, with Hughes and um, if you have that sort of top four setup it's going to be really fascinating because if you end up with Hughes and Susie especially with Susie having a cannon of a shot and playing the right side, there being extra shooting opportunities, especially the one-timer option op- opens up, which could be a dangerous threat, threat in the offensive zone. Um, and even you look at the past couple of seasons, the Canucks have deployed their second pair uh, more so in, in tougher minutes than the Quinn Hughes pair. And mm. what that sort of means for, for me is when I look at the Cole Horonic pair, my first sort of thought or question is, okay, is this going to be the pair that plays you know, the, the tougher minutes uh, is the first choice for, for matchup um, against the other team's best players. And 
that's interesting to me because on two fronts, obviously, you know, Cole last year for Tampa handled, handled a lot of those minutes for Tampa as well because Tampa, similar to Vancouver, you know, didn't use Hedman or Sergeyev necessarily in that first matchup uh, type role. So Cole would certainly be ready and, and seasoned and experienced that type of um, role for Heronic. And this is where I think this is more interesting is how would he adjust to the tougher defensive responsibilities? Because when you look at his breakout in Detroit last season, it coincided with him playing more traditional second pair matchups, like him not playing tough minutes because Heronic in his early days in Detroit was sort of thrown to the wolves and playing against top lines. And he seemed to sort of struggle in that role. And then obviously most Sider comes in and Sider on the top pair He's, he's handling a lot of those. Hornick's matchups become a little bit scaled a little easier, and, of course, he takes off, right? So it's going to be interesting, interesting for me with the Cole Hornick pair specifically to see how they fare defensively and, um, and whether they are used um, in, in tougher matchups, more defensive zone starts uh, compared to Hughes and whoever he plays with. Now, the other interesting competition is for, you know, the kind of sixth spot. If you if you give give spots to Hughes, Cole, Susie, Hironic, and Myers, there's kind of one spot left there. And it was interesting because Guillaume Brisebois got to skate with Tyler Myers, but you also had Noah Juleson skating with Quinn Hughes, and they're not both going to be in the opening night lineup if everyone is healthy. But, you know, which kind of configuration do you think makes the most sense? Having Juleson up with Hughes, and then, you, you know, you have probably Carl Carson Susie skating uh, on the third pair of Tyler Myers, or would you rather see somebody like Susie skate on their offside with Quinn Hughes, and then you fill in the spot uh, with Ty- next to Tyler Myers with the next man up? Yeah, I'd rather have Susie playing up on his offside with Hughes, um, and then essentially have that third pair LD role um, be up for grabs, be up for competition. And it's interesting that they went with um, Breezebaugh. Uh, personally, I would prefer Wolanin in that position because of um, how much better he handles the puck. And I believe he can be an asset um, on the breakout, especially just seeing what type of impact he had down the stretch. I mean, don't get me wrong, Breezebaugh was totally competent as well. Um, and he's certainly the... I guess the more prototypical safe defensive option. Um, but I mean, you look at the type of year Willan has had, I mean, even, you know, HL defensive in the year and just absolutely dominant. And I think he defends well enough to be a fit uh, alongside Myers. So that's, you know, bumping Susie up is, is my, is my uh, preferred option. And then from there in the third LD battle, it'll, it'll, it'll be interesting to watch Breeze Blah and, and Willan and, and of course, Hirose as well, kind of, uh, all vying for that. Harmon, we were talking last segment a little bit about whether or not offense should be a counterintuitive concern for this team going into this season, or at least something that they need to be careful about managing and in, in making some of their lineup choices. What What are your take? What's your take on that? Um, should we expect this Canucks team to repeat as a top 10 offense, or is there going to be some work to do to make that a reality? It's still a legitimate sort of like work to do. Uh, as you said, I mean, I still look at the club's five and five numbers from, from uh, uh, last year. They ranked 20th in five and five goals for right offensively. And that was with Pedersen and Kuzmenko as a line absolutely feasting. 
Um, which essentially means that from lines two to four at five on five, like this club was really, really struggling to, to generate uh, enough offense at, um, at even strength. And even when you look at the you know underlying, I mean, they were 25th and um, generating shots for uh, offensively. So it's still like they, they need to create more. And, and the other thing to keep in mind too, is that was predominantly under Bruce, Bruce Guzzo, who, employed a much freer, more probably more aggressive style, which wasn't as focused on defensive details compared to um, what Talkett is going to be um, implementing here. So it's like that was 20th despite a, a more loosey-goosey type of um, structure and, and system. So um, it, is, um, it is something that I'm going to be keeping my eye on, especially too with um, the power play and seeing – how does this group adjust without um, without Bo Horvat in the bumper, especially because of the handedness aspect, right? Because you can look at somebody like Kuzmenko and go, okay, like such a talented player, he should fit just fine, um, but he's a right shot, and that changes the the sort of go to looks that you'd have on the man advantage, right? Because think about how many um, how many sick plays JT Miller made from the left half wall, just making a, a, a nice little pot pass to Horvat for uh, a one-timer there or the, you know, Miller passing down low um, to whether it was, you know, uh, to, to a right shot net front guy, like whether it was Kuzmenko or, or Besser or even before that to Foley in that role. And then the tic-tac-toe back up to Horvat in the bumper, like you're going to have to rethink the types of plays that you're drawing up. It's not just a case of one guy's, one one guy in uh, one guy is is in. It would have been a lot more of a seamless fit if you had a ready-made left shot, um, but you don't really. And so that's you know the power play and seeing how the top unit uh, adjusts is going to be something to keep uh, an eye on as well. Harm, thanks for doing this, man. And uh, I want a I want a coffee update on uh, social media from you tomorrow morning. Are, are you going back for more? I guess is the true test of how it went today. We'll see. I'll make that decision in the morning and uh, fill you in. All right. Good luck, buddy. Thanks for doing this. Uh, that Thanks, is bud. Harvin Dial of The Athletic and uh, new coffee drinker, courtesy of Thomas Trance. That that revelation floored me off the top of the interview, Trance. I was, is, I was this stunned. Is, this is life with Harmon, man. Like, yeah, you know, um, you bring up like a movie reference. And as our listeners know, that happens to me frequently. And it's just like complete blank stare. Just a blank stare. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Oh my goodness, that him is lo- him, him looking up after I ordered him a double double and asking if he needed to put milk or sugar in it was so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's very priceless. Oh man. Uh, all right. Well, that was uh, that was fascinating on a number of levels with uh, with Harmon Dial. <laughs> we will take a break. Final segment up and as uh, coming up and as promised, uh, you will hear at length from. Canucks forward Elias Pettersson, who spoke to the media on day one of training camp, including, of course, the comments on his contractual status and lots more. That's coming up next. It is the final segment of Canucks Talk Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Trance, live from the Kintech studio. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street or Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center 
or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Final segment of the show. Drancer, of course, on location at Canucks training camp. I'm holding down the Ford here at the Sportsnet 650 studio. Uh, still time to get any questions on your mind. Anything uh, we haven't hit from day one of training camp in, you can hit us up 650-650. But as mentioned, uh, of course, one of the big attractions I think of today was always going to be hearing for the first time since he's back in town for the first time as you said Drancer uh, since the European media tour when he made the comments to Elliot Friedman about waiting to see how this year goes before he signs first chance for Elias Pettersson to talk to the media first chance for us to hear more from him on on that on that and uh, he spoke at length about that about a whole bunch of different things here is Elias Pettersson I think it was good. Uh, I think we're right into systems, how we want to play, uh, how we want to play out there. So, yeah, it was good. How are you feeling? I feel good. Uh, had a good summer of training. Uh, I'm excited to be back. And, uh, yeah. How much wiser are you now just with age and experience in terms of your off-season workout and knowing what you need to get prepared for a full season compared to the first couple of years? Yeah, I think you're, you're right on. I mean, I've got some got a little more experience now. Um, I played, uh, yeah, going into my sixth season now. Um, know what to expect. I know what I've been wanting to work on. And, uh, yeah, worked hard this summer. Sixth season. Yeah. It goes by pretty quickly. It does. Well, what was the priority for you off-season-wise? I mean, it's the same as always. Trying to get stronger, trying to get faster, uh, get some more muscles, and uh, yeah, better overall. Have you added any weight or strength noticeably from your end? Yeah, weight is up a little bit. How about the opportunity for Niels to be on your line the first day of camp? Are you excited for him? Yeah, very excited. I mean, he's an amazing guy. He works hard. Um, so good opportunity for him, obviously, but I think he's uh, more than ready for it. I mean, both him and Kuzmenko are very good down low, um, around corners to protect the puck, create space. So um, that gives me a little more eyes to work with when I get the puck. So um, they, they brought in a few new penalty killing forwards. Uh, and you got a lot of PK work last year. Is that something that you want to do and you feel like that you should be doing uh, on this team? Yeah. I don't think we've had a chance to talk to you since Quinn was named captain. What are your thoughts on him now being the captain of this team? Uh, fantastic. I think he's, uh, I mean, I've known him for, I mean, ever since we started playing each other, and uh, I think he's been taking steps every year, and obviously this is a big step for him, but uh, he's, I think he's more than ready. I think he, uh, especially last year, he took some steps, and, and yeah, I'm excited for how have a lot you? of people thought that maybe you would be uh, the next captain. I, I presume that there was a lot of discussion with staff and mm-hmm. Quinn before it happened. Were you were you able to be entirely happy for him? Were you disappointed at all? Quinn uh, is the captain, and I'm very happy. Are you happy to have um, me? Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I had it last year too, so I'm very happy. Quinn is captain. I'm assistant, so, yeah. Your um, agent said he saw a lot of growth in you and last season and also in the summer and he said it's not like you weren't working hard the previous summers he said that you're at another level now do you do you feel like you've come a long way just uh, as a professional like in the last year or so yeah i mean i'm always i've always tried to work my hardest to i'm always trying to get better and i think i'm this summer uh, when i didn't play worlds i had a little more time to train and uh um 
I'm sorry. The progress I did this summer with gaining some weight, muscles, etc., uh, was the biggest one so far. Last year was such a, a good season for you. Do you think there's actually another level to your game? Yeah, I mean, I hope to think so. I mean, I'm, I always think I can become better every day, and I'm very happy, obviously, with my, my season yesterday, uh, yesterday, uh, last season, um, but I always like to think I got more in me. Obviously, you arrive here without a contract extension. And I know you talked to Elliot Friedman a couple of weeks ago, but our first chance to, to talk to you. To ask the same question? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, maybe a different answer. We'll see. Uh, how do you make sure that that isn't a distraction for you as the season goes on? It's not a distraction. Uh, you guys make it a distraction. Um, got one more year left. Uh, I'm happy now, but I just want to focus on... Uh, uh, the season, uh, my teammates, and just uh, uh, come out with a good start with the team. What do you want to see from the organization? Like what, what are the key factors in your decision in terms of eventually wanting to sign an extension? Because we all assume that money's going to be there. I don't. Um, I'm just here to play to win. I got one year left in my contract. Um, yeah, that's all I want to say. So is it just about winning or is there more about the organization and just kind of how it handles itself and things like that? Is it, or is it just I'm excited for the season. Have you set any personal goals for yourself for the season? Like how many goals you want to score, that kind of thing? No, I don't set up, usually set up goals, how many points I want to score, etc. I'm, I'm just trying to bring my best effort every game and uh, be the best player I can be. A lot of the guys have remarked on how different the vibe is around the team this year compared to the stage last year where there was a lot of distractions was one word that Connor Garland used. Do you feel that as well? Like, is there a certain maybe singular focus that the group has or less distractions now than what it felt like a year ago? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, we uh, think the way, especially the way we ended playing yesterday when Talkit came in, we had a good end of the season with him and now to start with that, continue building it, I think will be very good for us and the group. Demko said yesterday he thinks this has to be the year for this group. You guys have been together a few years now. Yeah. There's only so many chances you get for yeah. something changes. Do you feel that as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we all live in the moment and um, we want to make the most of it. And I think we, we have a good chance. We've been... Uh, uh, I think we're a little more deaf now in the group. and um, But, I mean, it's up to us to continue building every day and uh, yeah, try to become, become the best team we can be. Andre Kuzmenko had a big off-season in Bali. Uh, I'm curious what you think of your line mate here, how he's looking on day one. Yeah, I mean, Kuzi Kuzi. Uh, <laughs> he had a looked like a very fun summer. Um, so I'm excited to play with him again. He he looks better. So yeah, very excited. I'm only camp on the island. Do you guys like coming to Victoria? What's the what's the mood there? Uh, it's I mean it's great so far. I think uh, I remember it was here my second season and uh, yeah excited to be back. Uh, I think it's good for. I guess we have some Canucks fans out there as well. So yeah, it's good. It's fun. The organization didn't have a ton of money to spend in free agency, but it felt targeted. I mean, they were asked about penalty killers, uh, adding Cole and Susie as well. And what do you think of the work that was done to sort of surround the core group that's here? Yeah, I think uh, I think we or we the front office did good this free agency to 
give us more depth, uh, get some good players in, and uh, yeah, I like our team. I think we can do some good things. Yeah, we uh, haven't had any power play plays yet or practice it, but um, we got. Uh, I mean, Bo's gone. That the chapter is closed, but I mean, we we got other good players that can fill in and uh, or do other plays. So we'll, yeah, we'll figure something out. Do you feel a staple kind of on that right side on the power play? Do you feel like? better off kind of moving around in different spots? Or? Yeah, I, th- I mean, I I think so. I can, uh, I like to think I can score from all positions on, on there, so but it comes down to us. At the end of the day, we, we want to score whenever we get a power play, and if that's me being net front or half wall, etc. Um, yeah, something we'll have to look into. There's a lot of young sweets coming into this organization, like Harry Mackey, Bielander. Uh, have you had a chance to talk to those guys, give them some advice? Uh, just said, pro, uh, talk briefly with with them. Said hi, uh, blah blah blah. Not not too much, <laughs> uh, but yeah. After the way last season started, there's obviously going to be a lot of focus on you guys wanting to start this year strong. How important is the work you're putting in here at camp in terms of setting you guys up well to, to have a better start? Or what are some of the things you need to focus on to get out of the gate better, do you think? I think it's, uh, we, we were playing good to start uh, last season, but we let in too many goals. So defense is a big priority for us. And again, we did better when Taka came in, so continue building on that. Uh, we had good goaltending. I think we... Um, yeah, we uh, something good here. That is Canucks forward Elias Pettersson speaking to the media today on day one of Canucks training camp. And uh, plenty to dig into there, but uh, you read the quotes that Ed Batch had posted on Twitter earlier and obviously the big question about his contractual status and you know his decision to wait. And again, I'll read them here, uh, courtesy of Batch on Twitter. It's not a distraction. You guys make it a distraction. I've got... One more year left. I'm happy now, but I just want to focus on the season, my teammates, and just come out with a good start with the team. And I also thought that it was interesting, Drancer, that he declined. He was specifically asked if he could, you know, offer any specific criteria. Hey, what what's going to influence your decision, right? Is it just about the team winning? Are there other factors? What's going to go into it? And, you know, he very, very much declined to get into that and just kind of reiterated I'm here to play to win. I've got one year left of my contract. That's all I'm going to say. Not a surprise, but that's how Elias Pettersson chooses to deal with it. Hearing it in context, what did you make of Elias Pettersson's answer? Well, hearing it in context is um, actually very different for me than hearing just the snippet. So Batch, during the commercial break before we interviewed Harmon, played just that snippet. I thought it came off the hop. Like my my assumption, incorrect, was that it came off the hub, and I was wildly disappointed with how he responded to it. Now, hearing the full interview in context, I'm less disappointed with it, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons. But among them is that at least it was consistent with the tone. Like that, you know, you learn over the course of both interviewing players and managing their interviews, right? That there's like a dead eye look that a player who's not into having a conversation gets. Yeah, <laughs> a certain glaze, 
And, you know, if you if you have basic people skills, because I'm not going to claim that I have remarkable people <laughs> skills, but if you have basic people skills, um, you know, you, you know, you know, sort of when the going is good. Right. Like when when mm-hmm. to, when to um, keep a guy cooking and, and when you're probably not going to get much. And he was so guarded throughout that interview, probably anticipating those questions. And then when he had an out, when he was able to challenge the question as opposed to processing it, he took that. Now, I still think that fundamentally, and this isn't about us, this isn't about the media or us making anything a distraction. I mean, you know, I I think the contract, the bridge contract that Pedersen signed, the holdout, how that contributed to his slow start to the 2020 um, one twenty two season. I mean, he, he sort of has talked openly about that being a distraction. I, I think the notion of of a player's business dealings influencing their you know mindset and mood uh, being a distraction is not like remotely unfair, nor is it a media creation, right? Mm-hmm. And I do think additionally that there's an element to which, like, this is the star of the team. You know, this is the guy who you pay to go see. And every other player of his caliber who is in a similar contractual situation, whether it's Austin Matthews or Sebastian Ajo, signed an extension this summer. I mean, I don't think it's unreasonable, and I don't think he's been—I don't think it's been put to him this way. But I don't think it's unreasonable to offer. You know, you don't have to give your full, true, unvarnished thoughts, but I think it's reasonable for fans to expect to have some sense of understanding about why this player, you know, they've invested years of hope and excitement into, um, has, you know, at this point decided that he'd prefer to wait and see to, to get a deal. And, you know, obviously he wasn't willing to share, share any insight whatsoever into that. Um, you know, it's for the fans ultimately to decide whether or not they care and um, for us as media members to read the room on that. Uh, whether it is a matter of public interest, I mean, it's clearly a matter of public interest, his overall contract status, but whether his thoughts on it are or not, um, and do our best to to sort of represent the fans in, in getting more. And, um, you know, I, I don't love the answer, but I will say that in the full context, it was at least consistent with everything else and, and the tone of the rest of the interview. Yeah, and I, the one thing that I find, I, I don't know if disappointing is the right word, but and it, it brings to mind a little bit, something we were talking about in response to Patrick Alvin's commentary on this as well. And, you know, you heard from Elias Pettersson a couple of times there, I've got one more year left of my contract, right? And similarly from Patrick Alvin, it was, hey, he's under contract, he's an RFA. We have two more years of team control left over uh, on Elias Pettersson here. And this idea that there's kind of no actual story here, right? Like it's not that, you know, Oh, why are you guys asking about it? We've got two more years of team control and from Elias Pettersson. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm still under contract. So yeah, it's not really a big deal. He didn't say it in those words, but that's kind of the, the implication at least that I was reading into it. And I can, again, I can completely understand why you choose to take that, uh, take that stance in public because it's a way of kind of shutting off the conversation and preventing it from becoming a distraction, from ballooning into a distraction. But it does just feel a little bit unsatisfying because, you know, yeah, we know, of course it is a story. As you said, like guys of Elias Pettersson's stature who are in this position, they tend to sign extensions, right? As soon as they're eligible, they tend to get big time extensions. Elias Pettersson didn't. And we've heard that at least part, you know, from him that it's like partly of his own choice that he didn't. And I think that makes it interesting. And I find the kind of 
you know, hey, hey, I'm still under contract, whether it's from Patterson or the Canucks, to be a little unsatisfying in that light. Well, and I also just love the, you know, it's it's you guys, right? It's like, obviously, this was a big enough deal to orchestrate a one-on-one sit-down with a big national reporter to get out ahead of this decision. <laughs> it's like, yeah. no, I've already, I've already used the media to address this, and now I'm not willing to play ball. It's like, what? <laughs> it's just having it both ways. And, um, you know, whatever. It's not a big deal to me. I think he was going to get asked about it again. And one thing that I'd like to, like, I'd like to hear it put to him this way, right? Which is, which is, you know, you've made your decision, and obviously you don't want to talk about it and don't want it to be a distraction. But what do you want the fans to understand about why you've decided to wait and see? That would be what I'd like to hear, like how I'd like to hear it put to him and hear what his response is. One thing that I know about Elias Pettersson from dealing with him at length is he really does care about the fans in Vancouver. And I, and I think if it's explained to him that this is a matter, you know, of, of like deep interest to Canucks fans and they just want to have some sense of why, um, you know, I'd be curious to see how he'd respond to that. Yeah, it's an interesting way of framing the question. And I mean, of course... Everything consistent in as long as we've been talking about Elias Patterson extension is a kind of fundamental goodwill towards the city of Vancouver that exists from Elias Patterson, right? Like that, that's kind of been a, a bedrock part of this conversation. I think that's, uh, that's an interesting way of framing it as well. 650, 650. Anything else? I mean, obviously, look, that's what we wanted to, we wanted to hear that. Sorry, I do from have, Elias Patterson. I, I do have one other thing. Yeah. Um, I thought it was interesting when asked if you want to stay on the right side of the power play mm-hmm. that Pedersen, you know, uh, effectively like, do you think you should be moved around? And he said, yes, yep. I do. And then he mentioned all the places he could be moved around with the exception of the one that he's most likely to play, I'd think, this season, which is the bumper. And that, to me, causes me to furrow my eyebrow, right? Like, he specifically says, you know, we don't have Bo. Right, he specifically mentions like we don't have the, uh, our bumper guy that we've had in previous years. We want to score on every power play opportunity. Of course, you know I'm open to doing whatever. I'll play, and then he's like, I'll play net front. I'll play on the other circle, and he declines to mention the one spot where the club, you know, is most likely like Rick Tockett is most likely looking at it and thinking, you know, what's the problem that I need to solve as the power play coach, right? And it's replacing Bo Horvat. Um, I wonder if that's loaded. Like, I wonder if Pedersen knows something and didn't want to tip his hand that he might play the bumper. Interesting. If he's almost already factoring it in. Like, yeah, I'm, not, was, I'm not well, going to list or, it. And I'm not going to list it as a place I could move to because I might already be there. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Like, like it's like it's like he doth protest too much. Now, look, <laughs> this might be one of those things that's absolutely nothing. Yeah. But but. You know, over time, as a reporter, you, your ears perk up and you try and read the man, right? And I just thought it was interesting that he was like, I'd play anywhere, and then listed all the spots except the bumper after mentioning that, like, replacing the bumper spot, you know, is obviously going to be a priority for the new power play. Like, that to me is just fascinating, and, and it may be absolutely nothing, but I wonder if it's more than absolutely nothing, especially because, you know, with Heronic and Hughes... Right, a big right-handed shot added to this Canucks power play. Um, you know, if if you were going to try going with two defensemen, mm-hmm. right, and then Kuzmenko, Patterson, Miller, uh, Miller on the power play, 
um, you know, I think you'd shuffle the deck in a way where where I don't like. I don't think you're taking Miller off the half wall given how much he initiates as a playmaker, right? I don't think you're taking Kuzmenko out of the net front given how uniquely well calibrated his skill set is to that spot. Um, wouldn't that necessarily, like, if the club was planning to go 2D, wouldn't that necessarily result in, in Pedersen in the middle? Yeah, it could. And so I just thought that was one where, you know, he was like, you know, uh, check raise. <laughs> or like he was like raising, raising there, and I was like, <laughs> you don't have it. I, 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 at, least, at, least I'm willing to, at least I'm willing to call based on the idea that I, I don't really think he's got that pair of aces. Well, and I just think overall the the answer of basically, yeah, I, I'm totally open to moving around. I mean, that's I think that's been, even when the power play has been clicking, I think if you polled fans, like, what do you want to see more of on the power play? It's more fluidity, right? Less, okay, these are the, these are the spots these five guys play in, and they go there and they stand there, and there's no real... Uh, you know, there's no real movement within those spots. And look, I mean, I get why they ran it that way. It's because those guys are all really good in those spots. But I also think as, you know, you try to find ways to get the absolute most you can out of the power play and you have to change it anyways, you don't have that absolute go-to move of Bo Horvat in the bumper. So you got to look for kind of a new fastball anyways. I like the idea of introducing more of that. You know, I don't think it has to be, okay, you play the bumper now and you're never leaving the bumper spot, Pedersen, right? I think you look for those opportunities and you look for those things, those wrinkles you can mix in uh, at any given time. Uh, 650, 650. Uh, what about the captaincy question? I thought that was an interesting response. And uh, that was, I believe, it was our guy Ian McIntyre asking him if there was any disappointment and, you know, that he wasn't the captain, that a Pedersen wasn't named captain. Pedersen was pretty up, up front. I'm, I'm just very, very happy for Quinn Hughes and I'm happy uh, to be wearing the A. And, you know, as you said, like you can kind of get that vibe from a player sometimes, Drancer, where they're not totally thrilled to be answering questions from the media. And, that's one of those things that's a, it's a lot harder to 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 have that vibe when you're the captain. I think we kind of got a good <laughs> glimpse today of why Quinn Hughes was the ultimate decision there. <laughs> oh man, what a relief. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine if he'd just been like, "Oh man, I was so excited to not be the captain." <laughs> what a relief for me. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, and I don't even know if that's how he feels. Like I'm just I'm just absolutely kidding, but um, you know, I I Look, I think Harmon put it well in the previous segment, right? Like, through and through, this was a player unwilling to make headlines. Un- mm. uh, you know, he, uh, there was no question asked where he sounded bright. You know, and you can get Pedersen where he's really engaging. Like, this is a funny guy. Um, you know, this is a guy who's, you know, I've covered him for four years now, and he's given me a lot of good material over the years, and I've also had some interviews with him like this. Um, but I, there was just nothing in that availability that was bright, that he seemed excited about. And and I just think it was the tension of making your first media appearance, yeah. given the stakes, and, and, you know, given the fact that whether it's a distraction or not, right, this is a big enough question um, that clearly there was thought put into a media strategy of how to handle it, right, previously. And so, um, you know, I I just think he was playing defense, and I guess what we saw with his availability today is maybe why 
He finished seventh in Selkie voting last season. <laughs> yes, an expert defensive performance from Olias Pedersen. All right, that's going to wrap it us uh, wrap it up for us on day one of Canucks training camp. We will, of course, be back tomorrow. Drancer will continue with the live reports on day two. Day one was fascinating. I can't wait to see what we have to chew on tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Bick is coming up next with the People Show. He will continue to dive into training camp for the Vancouver Canucks. It is Sportsnet. 650.